I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most cowardly podcast network. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watched Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch is a British reality horror pseudo-documentary first broadcast on BBC One on Halloween night, 1992. It follows four respected presenters and a camera crew as they live on air attempt to discover the truth behind the most haunted house in Britain. The presenters expect a light-hearted scare or two and probably the uncoaxing of a hoax, but 90 minutes later the BBC and the country was changed and the consequences are still felt today. So this movie and the story behind it are both incredible, but you know what else is incredible? Our very special guest, Michael Shakes. Welcome, Shakes. Hey, hey, how's it going? Very good, mate. Welcome. How dare you subject us to this real-life <laughs> bullshit? Yeah, I was going to say, Shanks, it's so great. Thank you for giving up your time and coming on the show, but fuck you. <laughs> how could well, you? <laughs> you're very welcome. I think this is a great example of how something that's still like quite quaint, I mean, incredibly mm. quaint by modern standards, is still very spooky. You know, I rewatched this in, in preparation for this. I'd seen it about a year ago. Yeah. And gosh, it still spooks me. Oh, I, yeah. I, I really, really dig it. Oh, I've got a, a question for you, Shanks. Have you ever met anybody who watched this live? No, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, not that I've not that I've actually uh, asked. My uh, my partner is English, okay, and so you know her parents, who are basically my in laws, like they conceivably could have. Yeah, but um, what are you doing? Go ask yeah. them right now. <laughs> I'll call them right now. Hello, Paul and Sue. <laughs> um, it's so weird because you know, as I'm sure we'll get into mm. the, the the film, you know, came out, met, left kind of this massive. Uh, it was a massive kind of cultural conversation, and then immediately kind of silenced because the, there was such a backlash against it yeah. that it was sort of you know locked up in a vault, and uh, even to the point where apparently it was going to be nominated for a BAFTA, but the BBC requested that they not nominate it wow. because they didn't want the attention of it, which you know sucks for this film. <laughs> Like, and it's an endorsement of what a good job they did. There. Right. It kind of feels like they're getting punished for doing too good of a job there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I want to know, how did you discover this movie? Because obviously it kind of was locked behind a vault for decades. How did, how did it come across your path? Well, it came across my path. I, I'm pretty sure the first time that I heard of it was, um, I, I'm a big fan of those red letter media guys, mm-hmm. uh, kind of YouTubers. And I follow Jay Bauman on Twitter and he posted probably a couple of Halloweens ago, like he posted like the movies he watches every Halloween. Yeah, cool. And I, I kind of looked at them and kind of heard of all of them, but Ghostwatch was a thing I'd never heard of. And I looked it up and I thought, is this a joke? This is like some like made for TV BBC show. This could be like a gag. Yeah. And I kind of held off. And then, then I thought, oh no, I, I looked into it and I realized that people actually really loved this yes. thing and, and yeah. kind of, you know, found it, uh, found it sort of sneakily online somewhere mm. and uh, blew my mind. I mean, it, it's one of my absolute all time favorite types of things. Uh, to quote Dan Harmon, I really like art that, um, I like when the frame can be included as part of the painting, yeah, yeah, and right. this uh, yeah. has so much of the frame in it, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get into it, but uh, it was made uh, in 1992, is that when yeah, it was released? Yeah, that's right. And the Blair Witch Project I don't, uh, was, wasn't released for another seven years, yeah. so yeah. it well jumped the gun no, on it's that. It's very ahead of its time. Yeah, it's like, it's like the grandfather of uh, sort of found footage horror movies, it is it. Yeah, and... Uh, I think better than a lot of found footage horror movies, not just because I like the content mm. and I like the way it's written, but there's a question in terms of that comes up in every found footage film. Why are they still filming? You know, that's always like yeah, this thing of call. this makes no sense. But this is 
Perfect, because it's a literally a live broadcast. It has an allocated hour to hour and a half on the BBC. Mm. It has to keep broadcasting no matter what. Yeah. Um, and it solves that. Nobody would have known that was an issue because found footage wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> yeah. um, except for maybe like Cannibal Holocaust, I suppose. <laughs> but they, they preempted a perfect solve to it. And uh, yeah, I, I have spent time thinking, how would you do a modern ghost watch? Mm, and mm. I think it would be really challenging. Well, on that, yeah. there's this there's this excellent, excellent podcast that I can't recommend enough. Um, it's technically, they're called like the Lovecraft Investigations, written by this guy, Julian Simpson. And the first one was actually called, the first season was called Case of Charles Dexter Ward. And there's more seasons, Google it up. Basically, it's almost the same sort of thing where you've got the frame in the the artwork, where it's this podcast as like, um, kind of like a true crime podcast, but things take a twist into the supernatural. And at no point does it break that wall of like, oh, but this is all scripted and fun. No, it's 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 always like, no, this is the podcast and here's what's happened and our presenters are the ones getting themselves into this trouble and it is genuinely terrifying. So I, I like I think as part of it is the is the sensory part of it, the fact that it's in your ears, like I've listened to it just going for a walk or in the car or whatever and had goosebumps because it's just so well done in injecting this fear because it seems so very real. Um so that's I was thinking about that when I was watching this because I'm like, that's the closest comparison I can I can think of, and it's probably about the only other horror thing I've ingested willingly <laughs> and thought was amazing. <laughs> that checks out. I, what what blows my mind is if I like, I have a. I, I know that as a as a teen and a child, I had a hard time with found footage stuff because my brain couldn't work out that I was being lied to. Yeah, like I, I would just buy in straight away and be like, nah, but. Nah, now nah, this is this can't be real. Or I'd be reading a book and it's like this is a true story and it's not. Hmm. But for some reason, my child brain couldn't compute being lied to by a piece of media for <laughs> ages, longer than I'd care to admit. Sure, Tom, I'd argue that that's still a thing for you because all the all the a lot of the films you tell me you hate are ones that have lied to you. Well, no, okay. No, Things like Now You See Me, Matchstick that's, Men. That's a different like thing. That. I don't like movies. I don't like heist films mm. that lie to the audience where they show you... So, look, this is about another movie, but it's just to get it off my chest. <laughs> so, in Matchstick Men, Matchstick Men, there's a twist involving the daughter being in on the con, right? She's actually playing them all. And there is a scene where we see her by herself and she's still acting in on the con. And the only person she's acting for is the audience. That fucking lied to me. She's right, committed, Tom. She's committed. She's method. Mark Ruffalo does it twice <laughs> in fucking method. Now You See Me. Yeah. Fuck him. Anyway, so I have a, apparently I have a problem with trust in cinema. Okay. But if I had have watched Ghost Watch, I would yeah. have died. Yeah. I would have fucking died. Oh, me too. Definitely. I was still almost... Yeah. I, it probably nearly killed me watching it <laughs> just a few days ago. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Isn't it? Is it true, though, that it was... It's almost accidental that it had that sort of reaction because isn't there a, a written by credit mm. at the start wasn't the case like a lot of people were watching something on another yeah, channel yeah. and it ran a bit long and then they jumped onto this halfway through and were like well what the fuck's going on here basically yeah so there was yeah there was a, a, a thing at the start to say this isn't real because bbc were a bit concerned about how real it was going to be yeah and there was there was another movie on itv basically another one of their stations and everyone was watching that but that ran a bit long so they jumped across missed that and yeah. just went in thinking, oh, look, there's Parky. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> Parky, son of a bitch. <laughs> but, but I read that even people who called up the hotline number, the very first thing they were met with was, hi, this isn't real. <laughs> but then they were like, I still want to tell you my story. Yes. So it, people didn't understand it. I think it was a, well, you know, for people that haven't seen Ghost Watch, it is, well, uh, Damien, do you want to describe sort of what it was before we get into how this framework all yeah. works? Yeah. So I. It, it was it was delivered as just like this is a live to where um, sort of broadcast. It's sort of like almost just what like a a live ghost investigation. Yeah, that's you exactly know, right. What like um, Zach Baggins and like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Investigations would would that would become a genre of television? Yes, you know, yeah. One to two decades later, mm, for an but, Australian audience, it'd be the equivalent of like Ray Martin in the mid nineties hosting <laughs> a special mm. current affair debunking a ghost yes. story. Right. Yes. Someone you trust. Implicitly on your television because it was real <laughs> reporters yep. playing themselves, yes, yeah. exactly, interviewing right. some paranormal experts that you know were maybe there to kind of be made fun of. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, this paranormal investigation, we probably won't see a ghost. 
turns out that, oh no, a lot of really bad stuff happens. And actually, what I think is a wonderful wrinkle in the writing, mm. the very nature of broadcasting it live acts as a huge conduit to make the paranormal event yeah. uh, much more out of control. Yeah. That, that throwaway bit of hers when she starts to panic, and she's like, we've made a seance, and everyone in the room's like, yeah. what? And you're watching it's going, oh seance. fuck, I'm part of yeah. it. <laughs> so clever. I love it. It is brilliant. Have you guys heard of Judy Dench's reaction to this this movie? Did she say, God, now I gotta be in cat? No. But- <laughs> <laughs> no, she sat down to watch it and I actually love the idea of Judy Dench sitting down and getting excited about a, a, a ghost program on the Very BBC. Much. Yeah, that's great. But immediately she recognized the actress playing the doctor who was with Parky. And um, and straight away she knew it was fake, so she called that actress and left her like an angry voicemail saying, "You ruined it for me. I was enjoying this." <laughs> <laughs> Imagine getting a an angry voicemail from Judy Detch. That would yeah. just you'd never delete it. That's a prize you're never going to let yeah, go right. of. Well, Shanks, I want to ask you just before we continue on with the Ghost Watch stuff. Mm. What what's your history with horror? Like, uh, are you a scaredy boy, brave boy? Where do you fit on that spectrum? Well, I uh, I love horror. The older that I've gotten, mm-hmm. weirdly, the more I find that it's all I consume. Wow! But I'm still kind of a, a scaredy boy. Like, I I watch horror and try to watch horror every time I sit down to watch something. I usually just go to the horror section okay. these days. Um, but it's not so much because I love to be scared. It's just that I find that horror. You know, when you're somebody like me and, and a lot of people here who, you know, are, you know, screenwriters and maybe work in the film industry or at least have spent so much mm-hmm. time thinking about, you know, story yeah. and film and, and that sort of thing, you can predict where a lot of stories go. And in horror, you still can, but they're kind of often willing to go to slightly darker mm. places because their objectives yeah. are slightly different. And so I don't watch it to get scared necessarily, but I love the depth that it will go to. And it's also one of the few genres whereby you can create a magical mm-hmm. narrative without going like full fantasy you can be in the real world and it can just like introduce yeah but curses are real and yeah but possessions yeah. are real and even just like dipping into slightly more like surrealist stuff whereby you're more open to see like the manifestation of somebody's mm-hmm. trauma in a more theatrical mm-hmm. way yeah. than just in a drama where it's all uh you know, exposited via conversations yeah. uh, or, or lit- literal liminal events. And so I really, really like that. Um, my, my history with horror was that as a kid, I was shown uh, Halloween H2O way too young right. by my older yeah. brother. And I just watched the first scene. And I think it ends with Joseph Gordon-Levitt getting a, an, uh, an ice skate oh, through no. his face. Oh. America's sweetheart. I know. <laughs> that and Scream 2 yeah. were the two movies I was shown yeah. way too young. Uh <laughs> And th- that really screwed me up. Like, I remember having recurring nightmares about Michael Myers. Not that I knew that that was his name. Um, right. And that was a... that. So, I kind of steered clear of it for a long time. But, yeah, as I said, these mm. days, I, it's, it's, all I, it's all I watch. But I still do get very scared. And often because my partner doesn't like horror, I'll watch it after she goes to bed. Oh, so, we're watching no. it kind of late alone. And, you know, the movie will start with, like, volume at 80%. And then by the end, it will just be at, like, 10 to 15. It's so quiet. Um, which is which is pretty bad, but you know I also I, I um you know I, I I just got some development funding from Screen Australia for a horror film oh, that oh, I've written, awesome. and so I'm I'm very entrenched in the genre at the moment. So that's oh that's uh, great. It's been a lot of tell, fun. tell me about that experience of writing horror. Then How, is that do you find that do you scare yourself when you do that, or is it or are you try like is that the goal to try to find the thing that scares you and put it on paper? I think so a little bit. Like mm. the the uh, I won't get into the premise of the film, but but sure. the. It was just an idea that I had, and I realized, oh, that has to be a horror film, because I think that's kind of a neat idea, and oh, that would be horrific, and it's, you know, kind of a body horror thing. And uh, I, uh, when I write, I like to go away, I'll, you know, try and find, like, somebody who needs a house sitter, and I'll yeah. do it. And, and, and I went, and I, I had kind of a brief idea of the script, and I went out to this house oh, no. uh, alone. And just stayed what? there for a week. Was it a spooky house? It, well, it's a spooky house because it's an empty house in the country. <laughs> yeah. And you're by yeah. yourself. Yeah, and you're yeah. by yourself. And uh, and uh, they didn't stock up on toilet paper. And there was no <laughs> toilet paper in the house. And I can't drive, That's so terrifying. I got left there. And that was scary. <laughs> oh, no. I ended up convincing uh, a construction worker who popped in. Uh, I mentioned it to him. And then he came back right. the following day with toilet paper that he <laughs> oh, bought for me. So there was a happy it. resolution to that. That's awesome. Um, did you write him into your film? I did. Yeah. He's the savior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he comes in like Scatman Crothers at the end. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, in terms of scaring myself, I, I think so. Like I, I do like to, this is a douchey thing to say, but I do like to try and kind of get into the headspace of, mm. uh, of the characters. And there was a moment where I, I had this thought of like, oh, I think that this would, you know, almost as if there were a possession in the script. There's kind of a yeah. scene where somebody's body is being uh, hypnotically dragged around the house, smashing their head Oof. against all of the walls. Mm-hmm. And I had that idea. And then I just did that for like an hour. And I must have just oh. been like such an insane person, but I was just like dragging my head around the house, just like banging it into the walls. Just not so much to be in the mindset of that character but just kind of visualizing yeah. that yeah, happening yeah. so so that was weird it's like i i do the same thing when i write where i'm like acting out the scenes that i'm pulling facial expressions but you've just mm. you've taken that to its nth degree of like i'm gonna smash my head against things and michael see shanks like. method writer tommy you like yeah. me you're, you're, Tommy, you're already shitting yourself at the prospect of this movie. Oh, I'm terrified. I heard uh, it's a hypnotic body, and I don't like my head touching stuff. Yeah. Don't touch no, my head. Nobody does. Uh, I don't mind my head being touched in a nice way, but in a bad way, no thanks. Well, all right. Well, let's jump back to um, to Ghost Watch because Shanks, I want. I'm curious. So, when you watched it the very first time, where you were still a bit like, I don't really know what this is. Mm. How? So, how quickly did you get into? Oh, this is actually working really well, and this is. This is pretty spooky. Well, I think it was the thing that really got me at first. I mean, I sort of, I understood what it was from the get-go because they, they've set it up, you know, very clearly because mm. they're setting it like it's a piece of broad light, you know, journalistic entertainment. Yeah. Um, but the thing when I realized it was really quite good was, weirdly, Michael Parkinson gives an amazing performance. He's so and good. So, yes. He's so good. Some of the other acting is from, you know, almost 30 years removed. It's quite mm-hmm. transparently fake, and there's a couple of little tricks. Like, the, the first bit of uh, found footage we see from a setup camera has a giant zoom in it right. that is completely <laughs> fake. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't have been attuned to that sort of stuff necessarily back then. Mm. Um, but Michael Parkinson treats it... Well, I guess he's just not acting. He's just mm. being what he what he does. He's just yeah, being a journalist. Yes. And for yeah. people that don't know, Michael Parkinson, yeah, is as you say, the, the Ray Martin of the UK, um, Sir Michael Parton- Parkinson, like mm. as esteemed of an interviewer as you could you could get. That's he's it. he's That's interviewed it. the Queen, right? I feel, or at least some members of the royal family. Sure, he would have. Sure. Well, if anybody has, it, it would be him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, but um, then as it goes on, it, it you know it's essentially telling the story based on the uh, the Enfield Poltergeist, which is a famous quote unquote real world haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, of a family that's been tormented by sounds and uh, and sort of poltergeisty activity, and over the course of the night, uh, by virtue of this being a little bit of a séance, we actually summon that ghost to kind of come and uh, wreak havoc across uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when even just all the little details, like when they call the ghost, the ghost name is Pipes because mm. the mother, to assure her daughters uh, of what the banging was, said, "Oh, it's probably just you know the sound of the pipes, the old pipes." Yeah, yeah. And then that meant that every time there was, you know, the noise, the feeling of spirit, the young girl would say, it's Pipes, Pipes is here. Oh. And that was also a moment where I thought, that's cool. Like, that that's is a good cool. name for a ghost. It's oh, hard yeah. to come up yeah. with a ghost name, I should imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's terrifying because it's a child. It's like that whole thing of, like, when you have a scary thing and a kid is like, oh, no, don't worry about that. It's my friend, Mr. Wobbles. Right. And it's mm. like, Mr. Wobbles, yes, he wears a big black coat and he stands in the corner and he watches me sleep. And, like, <laughs> taking something fun and normal like Pipes and then immediately mm. making it the worst thing in the world is terrifying. Mm. Another thing that I really liked with this that I thought they did very well was one they introduced skepticism into it pretty pretty early where like Parky's clearly thinking well this is just a bit of a laugh and, and we kind of get that it is it's just like oh it's Halloween let's do something spooky but it's not really that spooky and then even with their their acting like there's these nice little pauses even b- when they're cutting between the outside shots and Parky in the studio where he's like waiting and like oh there's a bit of a glitch there mm. where it's like the, these things that make it seem very much live so you can easily fall into oh yeah this this is accurate yeah. and even like fumbling with dialogue and and cutting back too quickly these sorts of things absolutely right there are there are a lot of technological glitches that happen towards the end that are to, even to a modern standard really well done i feel like in a lot of things these days they will if they're faking glitches you can tell that it's like you know, you know that it's shot on digital, but it'll have like yeah. VHS wrinkles in it, and, and I know that's like <laughs> yeah, a really yeah. technical uh, complaint, but it shows people yeah. not caring. And I think they probably did all this glitchy stuff for real because they're using. Mm. It's it's great because it's it's a live television broadcast, but they're using all the actual gear that you would use for a live television broadcast. So it has this great sense of yeah. verisimilitude throughout the whole thing. Yeah, there's yeah. a bit later where we lose, you know, like audio mm-hmm. from the. Uh, 
because uh, for people who haven't watched it, it's it's cutting from within the studio, Michael Parkinson, with a kind of paranormal expert uh, interviewing her, and they have little things where they talk about props and, and stuff that she has brought from other poltergeisty haunted houses. But we're cutting from that to an on-location at the UK's most haunted house mm. where they're going to try and summon a ghost. And so it's cutting back and forth. And there's a, a moment in it where the... The feeds between the on-location shoot and the in-studio shoot, there's a glitch, and then we seem to re-establish communication. However, now it's actually displaying footage from earlier in the night, Mm. but they're not wise to that yet. So there is kind of this sort of little loop thing going on, as well as we cut back to... Uh, on set at one point, and Craig Charles, I think his name is from Red Dwarf, who's playing himself yep. as another presenter, as a known UK television personality at the time. Yep. The communications are down, and he doesn't know if he's on camera or not. Yeah, and I think yeah. he's he's overdoing it for a lot of the performance in the film, <laughs> except for there, I think he's really good, where yeah. he basically is presenting and then realizes, oh, I'm not on. Oh, yeah. okay. And then just goes back to kind of screwing around and making fun of how bad the BBC is. Um, <laughs> and and that moment feels really natural. That feels really true. Like they actually did get their signals crossed. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, and then the, the ending in terms of like technical stuff, mm. you know, you'd expect the big bombastic ending, like the huge ending in uh, Paranormal Activity, right? It's a very like, you know, quote, for want of a better word, like subtle film where not a lot of big things happen. And then mm-hmm. at the end, yep. you know, you have to throw a body, blah, you know, right at the camera to scare mm-hmm. everybody. And this, the ending does go off the rail but in a quite confusing way that actually lends itself to be more believable because Mm, mm. you don't suddenly see a demon go, I am a demon, man. (laughs) It's like all the lights go off and all this weird stuff happens and it ends with Michael Parkinson seemingly possessed but in a very, like, subtle way in a shot that is framed so poorly it can only, like... Often, like times when, like, and say, film like Wreck or Quarantine, where it's found footage and they drop the camera, it's still perfectly on a perfect Dutch sure. angle yep. and perfectly framing everything you need to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final shot of this is an out of focus shot of like half of Michael Parkinson's mouth, <laughs> and it feels really like naturally nobody knew what was happening and he's just wandering around the yeah, studio. Yeah. It's creepy. It's creepy. Exactly. And it's even, it's leading up to that, he's like, he's going, I, I, he's as confused as we are, which I think works really well because he's still our, our only remaining. Uh, person to connect with and he's just confused so we're confused and he's even like I don't know if any of these cameras are on he's kind of like talking to all of them just to cover his bases and then the possession comes over it and he and he talks in Pipe's voice it's, and- it's such a subtle spooky possession too because all it is is he's normal and he's like oh there's something on the auto cue and he starts reading it normally and you obviously recognise mm. it from all the weird shit that the possessed girls have been saying and the minute he starts reading out I was watching and I'm like oh yeah. no Parky shut the fuck up buddy just <laughs> Go to bed. Pack it in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I wish I had uh, reread it before this podcast because I just forgot about it until now. Mm. But the first time I watched it, I was you know did a lot of research into kind of all the ghost watchy stuff. Yeah. And there is a sequel uh, just, uh, oh. as a blog post. The writer, I think Stephen Volk, right. wrote a kind of follow up about like the events of Ghost Watch. You know, some twenty years removed, mm-hmm. and uh, that had some compelling points in it that I've since forgotten. So that was a cool <laughs> little uh, interlude. But uh, so that's kind of worth checking out. I think yeah. they wanted to do they wanted to do a sequel, but. I think it was the controversy of, of the original where they were just like, oh, no, we, we don't want to go down that path again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, I do think there is also something interesting about watching it so many years after the fact that in some way gives it even more credence because you're watching it in a time where, like, obviously the technology we take for granted today wasn't available. So you couldn't just Google, is this real or no, you know. Mm. Um, and even seeing that the, the technical issues they were having, you're like, yeah, sure, this is the olden days, so to speak. Like, they probably do have fuck-ups like that happen. Um, which again, like at the, I would imagine at the time where that was just standard, just gave it even a, a greater sense of reality, and this is actually taking place. And on Stephen Volk, I did read that he even had a few ideas to take it further that basically got shut down. <laughs> which one was to just have this high pitched noise in the in so this audio in the background that would get dogs to start barking. That's amazing. Uh, that we couldn't hear, which is like great idea, oh. except for the fact that oh. no, because obviously we would cap that, that, would, that audio would never go through because it would peak and all this sort of stuff. And then the other one was to rather than just have it as like, yes, there's a giant seance and Park is now um, possessed. He actually wanted Parky to sort of suggest to everybody else, hey, by the way, the ghost is probably in your house now <laughs> and really <laughs> deliver that. And of course, Everyone's already terrified. You hear one noise in your house and you're like, yep, Pipes is here. I'm doomed, Parky told me so. Like, so I love that this this writer who just clearly nailed it 
wanted to go even further and make it more disastrous than it ended up being. <laughs> well, there's a way in which they preempted the controversy a little bit because mm. within the f- show, uh, a concerned mother calls in saying, you know, my, my children won't go to bed. They're watching this and they're getting so scared and they think they're seeing a ghost. There's something kind of like that. Mm, mm. It's the, the table that explodes and cuts. She rings up. The, yes, that's the, right. The, the coffee table's exploded and cut the husband's face and my children. Oh, yeah. And Parky ignores the thing about the husband and the exploding <laughs> table and just says, we're on very late. You should put your kids to yeah. bed. <laughs> yeah, which is great. But but that is, you know, one, one of the genius things about this. We mm. keep talking about why this is so clever. And this is one of the things is that um, as well as having real news reporters and purporting to be live they also have a number that they keep saying call in and tell us your ghost stories and so and then throughout the show uh members of the british public uh, are put live on air to share their ghost stories um without if you haven't called the number which then the real number did inform you that it was uh fake although there got so many calls that Mm. it actually jammed up yeah um then you would you know quite easily believe these were real members of the public calling in and one of them says that actually watching the show has made some sort of supernatural occurrence happen in her house which mm-hmm. is creepy as well as they do this this genius thing so so they play um a piece of footage right at the beginning with the aforementioned unbelievably bad zoom whereby um it's just showing some footage of of in the house where a poltergeist event happened they uh then get a call from the public saying from a member of the public saying hey i was calling him for a different reason but when you played that footage before i'm sure i saw something standing behind the curtains i'm sure there was a figure there yeah and then they go oh okay and they play that footage again later in the show twice and in one of those versions of the footage that they play there's clearly a figure there Mm. and then they play the footage again where the figure is clearly not there so if you're watching it at home you might I heard that the idea was to make you think that the footage was possessed. Because when I say there was clearly a person there, you could also quite easily miss it. Like, it's still fairly subtle. Mm -hmm. But it has that kind of, wait, I'm sure I saw something there, and now it's not there. But it's the same footage of making the audience question their own sanity, perhaps, which is, you know, pretty bold. And then they they even follow that up by talking about how good we humans are at finding faces in things, as though, like, oh, Mm. that's just our brains doing what it does and is looking for faces. Meanwhile, I also read that there's, like, up to I think it was like up to fifteen instances of pipes actually being in the background of either the house or even in yeah. the in the audience outside the house at one point. All these little things which you like, even them throwing in that line of oh our our brains are so good at finding faces. We're like, oh, all those other times I saw it, it must have just been that. But there's still that question mark in your head. Yeah, I, th- I think it's thirteen. I read so they it had been reported that you could see pipes eight times. So people look for him eight times, but apparently it's 13. So. Just to fuck with That people. just makes me... I wonder how much I missed. Like, when I, yeah. if I ever rewatch it, it's probably going to scare me even more because I'll be looking for yeah. pipes yeah. everywhere. And you'll see him 20 times and be worried that your copy of Ghostwatch is possessed. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Cursed copy. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, ask the question, were we scared? Yep. 100% <laughs> terrified. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Shanks? Were you scared? Yeah, I was, I was definitely scared. Um, I, I am particularly, it's a, a real shortcut to make me scared mm-hmm. is found footage that, you know, found footage gets a lot of flack and rightfully so because it is, it can be lazy. It can also be wonderful. Yeah. But uh, talking before about how like when you've watched films and it's your job and, and you studied it, you can always predict or you can quite often predict when something's going to jump out and go boo because yeah. there are certain shots 
that imply something's going to come out of somewhere and certain rhythms to the cut. But often with found footage, there is no apparent cutting. Mm. You're on a, a kind of, you know, essentially a one-take uh, thing. And the camera is moving around so much and so wildly that at any moment you can't be safe in the shot you're looking at because that camera can suddenly whip pan over and something's right there. Yeah, nah. So I'm constantly on edge because you can't predict it so much. And the final sequence of this where the tech issues happen and we suddenly just start getting the feed of an infrared camera mm. uh, from the house with, without really much sound. There's a bit of sound. Nothing Nothing ends up you know, massively jumping out at you or anything, but it's just the tension of that made me really, really creeped out after you know, a, a whole show of, of scariness. And one other thing I just want to add that I do think is really scary. And uh, one thing I struggle with as a writer particularly is, you know, you figure out kind of what your main narrative is and you fill that out with the bare minimum of characters to keep it economic and finish it. And then that's kind of it. Yeah. And what I'm bad at as a writer is putting in, you know, the extra details, the little subplots, mm-hmm. the little details that kind of fill out the world. And this film has uh, lots of just interviews with people telling completely unrelated ghost stories yeah. that just make it extra creepy. The women in the park who talk about finding it like a, a dog that was stabbed to death, uh, stories about a missing woman. There's a guy who tells what I think is a really creepy and subtle story about how he keeps finding spit all over his yep. like shoes yeah. and his yep. like food because he's sure there's a ghost in the house that's malevolent and they just keep finding a sticky saliva substance over his uh, herrings that he was going to be having for lunch. <laughs> and, uh, and it just makes you on edge because it still dials back into that and completely told without frills, just people talking to camera. Mm. It dials back into that sitting around the campfire, just telling a short meandering spooky story that kind of, I don't know, got me back into some sort of childhood fear mode yeah. or a CFM, you might <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like it's layering on, the already spookiness, but every time there's this little extra detail, it's like, uh, I wasn't too spooked, but it's slowly climbing up. And then obviously the actual events in the house are getting more spooky. Every time they showed the glory hole, which despite being a hilarious (laughs) space under the stairs was terrifying. Like I, you kind of, it's that thing of like, you know, you watch enough horror movies, like, well, clearly, clearly we're all going to be entering the glory hole by the end of this movie. But I was still so terrified for it. Just sort of kept ramping up that little bit more. It's like, like someone was turning up the heat throughout the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I wasn't that rattled for the first hour. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was, it was a slow burn. It was slowly building, and you were getting little glimpses of pipes here and there, and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I think it probably, probably reaches. There's probably like a 15 minute window in the last half hour where it's just like off its fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just yeah. like. Ah, oh, this is just bullshit. You know when you get angry when you. Go, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about you, Shanks, but for us, because we we're just so terrified of horror, and we sometimes force ourselves to watch it, and you just get angry. I'm just like, why am I doing this? Well, the anger, the anger is just there to mask the fear. Yeah. That's all that yeah, is. That's, that's how yeah. our fear manifests. It manifests in yelling at directors, being like, you know, fuck yeah. you, Parky. How dare you betray me like this? You piece of shit. <laughs> oh, he's a big traitor. Horror icon Michael Parkinson. Yeah, absolutely. I've got you know the whole the, the famous you know horror characters. You got Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Parkinson. <laughs> Damo, I, when I reviewed this on Letterboxd, I had an interaction with your wife mm. and she just, um, we just bemoaned what a dog Parky is. And she was just like, <laughs> what a traitor. Like, it just wouldn't have, yeah. would never have expected him to hurt yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. She call him Parkinson. He's such a bloody dog. <laughs> <laughs> we have spoken a lot about how subtle uh, and tasteful a lot of this is, but... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention there's also a couple of moments where it really, you know, goes a little bit too yeah. far. And when via some sort of spectral anomaly, the entire studio is suddenly filled with a giant wind machine's <laughs> worth of wind. I think there's it goes from like, oh, slow ramping up, slow ramping up to suddenly Michael Parkinson's kind of like post mullet <laughs> just like flapping in a wind machine um, that just gets a, a little a little too sick. Yeah. Well, that's a good point because part of what it did so well was its subtlety and its slowly ramping up of of the spooks. Um, And on the parky thing, I just want to also say, I thought Sarah Green, I think it was Sarah Green, the one who went inside the house, she did pretty well as well, I thought. She was like, she was very charming with the kids and with the family and very Mm. lovely. And also you did feel like she had this like um, dedication towards just kind of being them for being there for them in this this tough situation yeah. especially when it when it brought up the thing of um the the daughter who was hitting the hitting the pipes and making a lot of noise and it was like oh it's busted this isn't real we've seen now that this girl's putting it on and where Sarah is still trying to be supportive and get the story and all that sort of stuff yeah. so that when it turned and she's now in the story it's not just happening to this family it's happening to her 
I really, I was really worried for her. I'm like, Sarah, no, like, don't, don't go in the glory hole. Well, she gets pulled into the depths of hell right. in the end, yes, basically. Exactly that other presenter, right. is that her husband in real life? Yes. Yeah, because yeah, I was real. worried because his performance was sometimes a little... Uh, a little wooden, I think. But sure. in the moments where he was quite worried for his wife, I was too. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, not Sarah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well, I, I did also read a fact that because... because so I think she's she was more involved with children's stuff. And like you said before, Shanks, they even had... They had Parky be like, get your kid to bed. This shouldn't be happening. But basically for some parents, they saw her and thought, I guess our kids can watch this because we've got Sarah Green on, on, <laughs> oh, no. on screen. So then afterwards, she had to like... The, the day or two afterwards, she had to go on quite a few sort of um, sort of talk shows and that sort of thing to be like, hey, I'm okay. It's all right. <laughs> I, didn't, oh, I didn't get murdered in the glory hole. <laughs> well, we, we should we won't get into the, the whole thing, but we, we yeah. haven't actually said sort of what the controversy was. Like we, we've spoken a lot about how there was uh, controversy and essentially the BBC uh, complaints line went down because mm. it got the most complaints of any television program ever. I think possibly to date, it got twenty to 30,000 calls, they reckon, and it just uh, killed the numbers mm. whilst it was going out live. And, uh, you know, in the in the aftermath of it all, the, the filmmakers had to go on television and basically get raked over the coals. There was some interview program. It was something kind of like a sort of like a meet the press type yeah, show right. where they would, you know, interview people from the media about the, the programs that are obviously publicly funded from the BBC. Mm-hmm. And they were basic. Uh, the, the, I think the director, Leslie Manville, is that her name? Leslie Manning. Um, uh, she or Stephen Volk went on and were just torn to shreds because it was something about the public you know needing it because they all they all felt duped despite the fact that you know it, it had uh build itself as a drama beforehand mm-hmm. but it had that war of the worlds yep. effect yes. and uh most yep. tragically a, a guy four days after the event took his own life uh and in his, his suicide note said something like um if ghosts are real then i will be with you always like something quite haunting Whoa, like that and it was oh. suggested that he had seen the show boarded as real i i believe he was you know uh in in a uh in a not wonderful state to when the show was broadcast and so suddenly there was this uh supposition that the program was responsible for uh, a death yeah and that that's one of the reasons why it was immediately uh uh, you know pulled from mentions everywhere by the bbc they kind of pretended it didn't happen and obviously kind of like in australia but more so because they actually produce good content um (laughs) the the bbc is publicly funded, so the uh, you know my taxes paid for Ghost Watch. What a load of nonsense! Right. There's a, a bit more indignation about it than if it were just some you know show in America or something. Yeah, like that yeah, yeah. I suppose in that way, it almost feels ahead of its time because I I, I do wonder if the audiences today, like obviously, well now it's kind of got this this cult following that's not even so much cult anymore because I think it is reaching a wider audience. But I do wonder if like if it had come out. Even just like ten years later, if people would have been like, "That was amazing! What a what a performance!" Rather than, "I got duped." People aren't ready for like. So I love like found footage, but even in terms of like how it appears and lots of things. So again, I've just talked about earlier how I don't like being mm. tricked, but like I'm the perfect I'm the perfect mark for those kind of stuff because I, I buy it straight away. I love reading a book right. that's like this is a real story or like. Uh, even like mockumentary style things, if that's a framing device, I'm always like mm. buying into that 100%, you know. And I think audiences react one of two ways. They either are like, get in on the joke and then they realize it's all part of it and go, okay, that was that was really well done. I'll watch it again. Mm, but the two mm. instances that stick out in my head, you have this one where people got angry because they got duped because of a horror. But does anyone remember when um, in Australia the first season of We Can Be Heroes aired on the ABC and people were ringing up the ABC <laughs> complaining about how they were um, giving money and an award to an awful girl based on <laughs> Chris Lee's Jemay. Like, people were ringing and complaining to the ABC, like, how dare you right. put her up on TV? She's awful. Like, they got heaps of complaints about it. So I'm pretty sure the second episode aired with, like, a... This is a work of fiction. Wow. Like, people... People are wowed. <laughs> wow. People are dumb. Yeah. People are dumb, and sometimes stuff like this mm. needs time before it's appreciated. Yeah. I mean, considering, you know, complaints, rightful complaints about the lack of diversity on screen, imagine watching that show and being like, why are all the nominees? It's the least diverse thing ever. They all have literally the same face. I can't <laughs> believe this award. So I want to ask you, and you being like, oh, I don't like being duped. When you first watch Fargo and it's like, this is a real story. This is a true story. You know, some names have been kept the same for the sake of others. What, what was your reaction to that? So, interestingly about that, Fargo is one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah. And I love the TV series heaps. And mm. over time, I have been like, no, I love taking something that is... 
I mean, Fargo, they just put that on there. Like, it's not based on any true story whatsoever. They just lie. <laughs> yes. But uh, the idea of, like, putting that on something and being like, no, this is this is absolutely true. Like, we've, we have, we've barely changed anything mm. in this. I kind of like the... I, like, I respect the audacity of it. And, like, again, I'm a sucker. I'll buy in. I'll be confused about whether this is real or not. Right. But at the end of the day... I'll, I'll, I'll be on board. Yeah. You've got a big supporter in me. Yeah, okay. So you go through a real sort of uh, roller coaster of emotion, but you end up supporting. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, then I'll ask the question, did our characters act wisely or foolishly? And I think I might even throw in a second thing of, did the did the BBC act wisely or foolishly given the response? Uh, I, I think I, I love that the BBC did this. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that it can be blamed for certain consequences of it, unfortunate though they may be. Sure. Um, I think that it, uh, you know, is is a ballsy piece of art that also functions as, uh, I say art, and mm. it, it's great art, but it's also just like a, a heck of a ride, really well yeah, made. Yeah. It's just like a an explicitly fun piece of entertainment that played, you know, quote unquote live with as, as many kind of notifications as they could. Mm. It wasn't just that they, they ran a little thing beforehand saying this is fake, but they also did magazine interviews and newspaper articles up leading up to its oh, release right? where they said, oh, we've got a drama film coming out. So, so they, they, they did, they did their, their, their bit, I think yeah. short of flashing on screen. This is fiction <laughs> at all times, which, yeah. you know, would have been uh, not so, not so good. Yeah. So I think, I think it's pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what about the characters then? How do we think they acted in this I, situation? I, I think, they do the best they can with the information presented to them. I think they like. I think Parky approaches it being like, as most people would. Oh well, this isn't going to mm. give anything. Sure. And I, the only thing I guess that they could have done better is they have an expert, and she's like, something is wrong, mm. and they're like, shut up. <laughs> so that's about the only mistake they make. But otherwise, I, yeah. What more could they have done? Yeah. I think there's one thing they could have done. One thing that's a bit odd is that. So, you know, it's a haunted house, mum and two daughters. And then pretty early on, the mum is put into like a, a truck outside yes, to be yeah. able to communicate with the studio. And the presenter, Sarah Green, becomes the babysitter of the two girls. But, you know, if that mum is convinced there's actually a demonic spirit here and we know that the the plan for tonight is to elicit a response from it. The only people left in the house to look after the children are a television presenter. <laughs> Famously not the most... Uh, pragmatic uh, or brave people <laughs> sure. and a, a camera guy and a sound guy who yeah. are preoccupied with their kind of massive uh, mm, pieces of mm. equipment you'd expect okay you can come into my house you can do this but you need to bring a priest and you need to bring a medic <laughs> oh, and you need good. to bring uh, a ghostbuster and they need to be present at all times you know i've been on film shoots you've got on-set nurses on-set covid doctors yeah you'd need an on-set mm. ghostbuster <laughs> Bro, i can't believe you got past oh, you know, so. yeah i love that shakes <laughs> The BBC's budget didn't stretch far enough for an exorcist. Might, you know, the public funding only went so far. It all went to Parky. Yeah. <laughs> it all went straight, on the just straight into Parky's Just sucked pocket. up that paycheck. Yeah. Just. <laughs> it's hard to judge their actions because it feels very uh, manufactured. Right. Like um, one step further than uh, a regular film that we would watch. Mm. So for what we were presented with, yeah, I think they did everything right. I think you're right though, Shanks. It's so weird that the mum just gets like shoved out into a... Into a truck or whatever. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't the mum be like, well, no, I'm going to be by my children's side right. at all times. When, when her daughter's getting, like, a face full Scratched of scratches. Up and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Bad parent. Bad parent. The, the scratches stuff, she would immediately come back in. But the other thing, too, where I've just realised I don't necessarily are super clever, is Sarah Green and that cameraman are just like, let's go into this cubby. Yeah. This glory hole of death. <laughs> yes. And he kind of, she's like, no, wait. And she just mm. goes in. And he's like, like, surely you'd be like, okay, there's someone in there. Right. Th- this thing's a bit fucked. Yeah. Let's work to, like, you'd be smarter and be like, all right, I've got all this cable mm. from my camera crew. I'm going to tie it around your waist and I'm gonna, we're mm. going yeah. to get you in like that, you know? I think by that point, I almost got the vibe that she was, like, possessed when she went in there. Oh, right. Or in a trance. At the end. Yeah, 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 like a okay. trance sort of state. Yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking they made the the fatal flaw that we've talked about before, which is that they they kind of hold on to their skepticism for too long. When like you've you've been given enough evidence, even if you're not a hundred percent on board, you're like, well, look, just for the sake of safety, let's not dive headfirst into the glory hole and and pipes's <laughs> abode. Um, which does bring me nicely to to the question of how would we do in this situation? Who are we in this? Yeah, scenario? yeah. What are Ooh, our roles? Okay, I think for this one, yeah, we need to be. The, the crew that goes in. So Shanks is our very special guest. You can be Sarah Green. You can be our presenter. Fantastic. Hey, what's up? I'm married to a guy named Michael. I love it. <laughs> it's a happy days. <laughs> and then we can just be your, your crew sort of hanging out in the background, you know, assisting when necessary. 
Um, so yeah, what, what's what's your thoughts going in then, Shanks, as the presenter of this Ghost Watch? Well, I think a little bit like Sarah Green, I I understand, particularly if I'm a television presenter, I'm probably you know I'm already pretty vacuous and up myself, but I'd probably be a little <laughs> bit more so if, if I'm a television presenter, you know, kind of Gilderoy Lockhart type figure. Right. <laughs> but, um, I, I might be so concerned to be saving face for the camera mm. and be being brave and going into it uh you as myself who was not convinced of anything supernatural right. as these events started happening i would just be like this is all you know her banging the pipes there's yeah. something else here going on am i being punked by ashton kutcher <laughs> where are you kutch i know you're behind the wall so i'd be very scared but i'd probably be talking a lot about how scared i was yeah trying to play it off as a joke and and assuming that i was participating in a performance so yes. i'd probably jump into the glory hole as long as i thought it was dramatically the right time to do so like narratively speaking i should get in the glory hole um i mean i've been in public bathrooms like i, I you know <laughs> yeah you've, you've seen you've seen it equally as scary glory holes yeah. before yeah. yeah but guys the three of us as the the film crew is interesting because the broadcast might be terrible. Like if I'm on the boom pole and I'm so scared that I'm shaking, so it's just like this rattle in the sound and Tom's dropping the camera constantly right. at every little sound. Oh, the camera's... It's, I've dropped it and it's broken. Yeah. I dropped it like the first scare. One of the girls snuck up on me and I wasn't ready. Like this is... So the problem, the problem with the dynamic is that on one hand we've got Sarah Green Shanks who's very, you know, I'm, I'm saving face. Mm. I don't believe in this bullshit. The whole dynamic is just you yelling at the three of us because we keep trying to leave. <laughs> and there's just heaps of like little asides on camera of like, you need to fucking stay here or I will fire you and you will never fucking work in this town again. <laughs> I like that. But I also think, like we were talking earlier, earlier, that we when we get scared, we also get angry to mask our fear. Oh, yeah. So would, we, would the three of us be getting angry at Shakes for wanting to enter the glory hole and like be basically trying to hold him back and, and sort of... Not save the day through any sort of bravery, but more try to like just not let him lead us into the glory hole. <laughs> Are we angry at Shanks or do we get angry at pipes? Like we just like right. the pipes is going to be scary. We're just going to be loud and stuff banging on walls as well <laughs> to hide our tears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, another option, and this has proved pretty good for us in the past, is that we we try and seduce pipes. <laughs> oh, I like that seduce yeah. pipes. I look. It's a. I, I reckon we could go to that option. I reckon. Like, what does Pipes want? You know, does he does he want to possess some boys? What was well was um, Pipes? He has a bit of a backstory. Uh, other than a, the the idea that there's a woman inside mm. him trying to to escape, I think he is he a child molester? Is that That's right? right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is part of yeah. his backstory. Yeah. Yeah. So, in order to seduce him, we're in quite problematic territory. Uh, you're right. <laughs> but, like, you're right. you know, you might need a giant lollipop, or maybe a cap with a propeller on <laughs> right. top of it. Yeah. Um, Who looks the most childlike, clean shaven? I guess that's our next question. <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. This, I'm going to say none of us. I'm yeah, looking at Tom. Oi. Oi. Steady on. I've, I'm a man. I'm a fully grown adult man. And look, Good for you, mate. Good I think we you. need to go a different route. And I think mm -hmm. I do a deal with pipes, boys. I get us out of that house. Oh. Maybe I'm not holding. I'm the always camera. worried Maybe when you I'm, do a deal, I'm, Tom. <laughs> Maybe I'm like looking after my job is to look after the talent on set. Okay, so I recruit pipes as talent. <laughs> um, it's not the first time that the BBC would have a child molester working for. Oh, am I going to get? Are we going to get in trouble for this episode, baby? <laughs> um, no, but I reckon I could convince him. Be like, hey, look. We can we can do a deal. You just chill out for a bit. We'll get this family out of here. We can bring you a new family to possess and haunt like clockwork. Right. Just let us out. Just let us let us go. Are you going to follow through on that plan? <laughs> oh, fuck. Because no. that is a monstrous <laughs> no, we, we get the fuck out of here. Like, it's trafficking, mate. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a little fib. It's a lie. It's a trick. I'm tricking him. I'm not going to give him a family right. to possess every month. That's right. fucked. And then once we're outside the house, Sean, you're up. You set the place on fire. I'm happy to do that. I don't know why I didn't even think of that. How come I didn't think to burn the house down? Well, it is part of flats, so you've, you're probably going to burn down quite a few houses by the I time. I give a shit. I'll burn down that whole neighbourhood. <laughs> we met the women across the street. They're a bit annoying. Yeah, pretty pretty boring. They had a good um, run. They are, Although, at that point, have we already, you know, via our seance, mm -hmm. launched pipes into the homes of everybody across the UK? They're burning down one simple home. <sighs> right. We'll, we'll do nothing. I mean, what grand ambitions does pipes have? 
Uh, You're right, Shanks. We've got to burn down the country. Yeah, burn down the UK. I've been saying this yeah. for years. <laughs> <laughs> we call up the clash, we get them to help us, and we destroy London. <laughs> Look, if, if Pipes wants an audience, I think, I think going to his ego, I think we say, Pipes, Look, mate, your star power, your talent. We're going to give you a spin-off TV show. That's all you. Don't worry about Parky. Don't worry about Sarah, Michael Shanks. It's all you, baby. And they just give him his own TV show. It's like the opposite of Ghostwatch, where he just goes around and haunts people. It's Ashton Kutcher's punked, but he's haunting them, and it's called <laughs> Poltergeisted. Boys, what if Pipes possessed Parky in 1992, and he still is in him right now? That could have been the that could have been the end game. Become Parky. Get on TV. Pipes always wanted to be knighted. <laughs> yeah, he met the Queen. Pipe, Pipes is in the fucking Buckingham Palace oh right God. now, Sir Pipes. But I don't know what a modern day you know Ghost Watch looks like because mm. uh, I've thought about it being like, God, it'd be great to do this again. Um, in some respect, you know, something over Twitch, I suppose. But everybody's so savvy these days. You, yeah. you could you introduce so many like interactive elements, and a lot of that could be purportedly interactive. Um, it, it's hard yeah. to know how to what the modern version of it would look like. Mm. If you want to trick people, Twitch is probably too hard. You've got to go for boomers. Mm. You've got to trick them. You've got to do Poking a, machine. a, a <laughs> ghost watch. Yeah, a, a cooking ghost watch show on like Channel 9 <laughs> hosted by Carl Stefanovic. And that's, Manu. That's, that's what we're at. And Manu. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie Preston. It's Pete Evans' exorcism. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, we've got to get the, whatever demon is living in him out of it. Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think it needs to, yeah, I think it ends with basically Pipes taking the place of the presenter where he is now just another presenter amongst the slew of other already haunted presenters. I mean, I like that. I like the idea of the uh, kind of motion graphics of a network TV where like they have anchors, you know, crossing their arms and kind of like turning to camera and smiling. (laughs) And one of them's just this kind of like cat's face scratched off man in a black dress uh, with an electrical cord around his neck. Yeah. He's just like, coming up next, sports with pipes. (laughs) (laughs) My house. (laughs) Well, that is all the scary talk we have for this episode. I've been Davian. I've been Sean. And I've been Tom. And I've been Michael Shanks. And if you scary listeners have any comments about this episode or would like to say hi, you can email us at 3scaredboys or you can find us on Twitter. I'm Emmy Day Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. And I'm at Awkward Trade. And I am at Tim Tim Fed. Shanks, thank you very, very much for coming on the show and for introducing us to this incredible movie. It's been a true pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Stay scared, everyone. I don't give a shit. I'll burn down that whole neighborhood. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.